Hey there, John here. We are so glad you're listening to the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. If you're new to the show, I hope you find something here you'll enjoy and that gives you a reason to come back. If you've been listening for a little while or a long while, as is the case with so many of you, I want to ask a favor. Would you consider introducing us to just one friend this week? There's really no better method of advertising than word of mouth. Pick a friend who shares your sense of humor or interests, even if they don't know what a podcast is, and tell them why our show has become a regular listening for you. And be bold. Help them get a podcast app on their phone and walk them through how to subscribe to the show. We love that you're here and would greatly appreciate your recommendation. Thanks for your time. Now, let's get on with the show. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hi, I'm Ethan, and I'm not Gen X. But listening and watching Gen X Grown Up makes me feel like I am. If you want the same experience I've had, consider becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Welcome back, Gen X Grown-Up Podcast, listener to this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown-Up Podcast. I'm John, joining me as always is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? <laughs> and you know that Mo is here. Hey, everybody. <laughs> the backtrack is, as you know, the episode where we pick a single nostalgic topic and dig in deep. And we might not have known it at the time, but as Generation X kids, we were among the last to enjoy a childhood that gave us a deep sense of independence and autonomy. Everything from proliferation of technology to changes in media and politics have forever changed that for modern generations. But in this backtrack, we will be remembering and discussing the singular experience of growing up as a Gen X kid. And this is a topic which, again, was suggested by one of our fourth listeners. And, by the way, Patreon supporter Marcus. <laughs> I think a few weeks or months back, maybe, George, you were having a little roundtable, like soliciting ideas. And we got a lot out of that. Yeah. And this is one that Marcus suggested. It's almost like it's a cornerstone of the Gen X experience, and now we're going to focus on this very topic. Before we get into that, though, uh, it's time for some fourth listener email. The fourth listener this time around is Scott. Scott wrote in about our bulletin board system backtrack. In fact, Ooh. the rewind we did, where we oh. kind of brought that okay. back on our feed. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, that's an old yeah. episode. To that, be that's coming. a really old episode. You're <laughs> yeah, right. That's a deep cut. <laughs> yep. The subject line of Scott's email was Internet Killed the BBS Star. He says, surprisingly enough, BBSs may be one of the biggest things that shaped my entire life. I was born on the tail end of Gen X, and in 92 or 93, my family bought an external 2400 baud modem. Ooh, 2400. <laughs> yeah. I discovered the world of BBSs shortly thereafter. During that time, I learned that most of the people using and or running the same BBSs I frequented were also in high school, and they decided to have weekly meetups and even called themselves the Dead Hackers Society. Wow. <laughs> That's 90s creativity for you right there. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure Robin Williams attorneys will be getting in touch. Yeah. <laughs> 
He says, I eventually attended their meetups and made fast friends, and those friendships persist today. That's awesome. Yeah, right? I haven't seen anyone I went to high school with in decades, but I still see and keep in touch with my DHS buddies. (laughs) My career path was even defined by those people or people who were friends of my friends. That's cool. It it, it was a different kind of community bulletin boards. It was, uh, we were the first to kind of reach out and have access to people in that way in real-time chat. I can see it forming long-lasting friendships, yeah. Absolutely. He winds up his email saying, I have a lot of great memories wrapped up on the subject matter you picked. Thanks for letting me relive them again, Scott. That's cool. Very cool. Nice. You're very welcome, Scott. And thank you for writing in. We love it every time the fourth listener writes in. If you would like your email featured here on the show, it's so easy. Just hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. We read every single one and most of them, just like Scott's. Eventually, we'll make it to the show. Okay. We get back from the break. It's time to jump into our discussion about Gen X childhood autonomy. Be right back. Guys, for the last few weeks, we have been checking out Factors ready-made meals. Now, they tell us that eating better is easy with their delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, ready to go in two minutes. All that is great. It wouldn't matter if it didn't taste good. So mm-hmm. I've, we've, I've had several. I've been eating them every couple of nights. I'll try one of these Factor meals. And then I had this turkey chili, and wow, was that good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my fiancé is vegetarian. Is vegan, actually. So I went with the, yes. with the vegetarian option. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. And you did for the whole box. Okay. Yeah, for the whole box. You know, because they have like over 35 different options you can choose from like every single week. Mm-hmm. So I went with the vegan option or the vegetarian option. And let me tell you, they were pretty freaking amazing. Yeah. Matter of okay. fact, she yeah. stole half of them. One to start with. Wow. <laughs> she took so. them from you? Yeah. Yeah, my <laughs> wife and I have been trading out saying, oh, you try this and you try this and check it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was surprisingly good. And again, like I didn't realize that even that some of these that were even vegetarian, I didn't even know that. Didn't even know. Wow. Hmm. So what's really cool though, is that if you want to add something extra to all these different meal choices that mm-hmm. you're talking about, there's like 60 different add-ons to help you get going <laughs> and feel good basically all day long. And I don't mean mm-hmm. just like like an extra side or something like that. Like there's a whole bunch of breakfast add-on meals that you can add on to your subscription, not add on yeah. to the right, dinner yeah. meal, but like mm-hmm. to add to your meal plan for the day. And mm. I just think it's, it's really awesome that they give you all these different choices so that you're not just tied into just dinner or just lunch. Having breakfast mm-hmm. as part of one of these meal plans is, I think, kind of unique. I haven't seen that before in any of these meal yeah. delivery services. So I don't know what everybody's waiting for. It's time to get started <laughs> and get after your goals right now. Fuel up fast with Factors restaurant quality meals are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Pancakes and smoothies? Yes, please. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day like breakfast midday bites and more factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping or cooking or even cleanup required just throw it in the trash when you're done get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week plus you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time let me tell you if you're looking for something fast with premium options factor is the perfect solution for you You guys know I'm the spreadsheet guy. I have done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every single meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Just head over to factormeals.com slash genx50 and use code genx50 to get 50% off. That's code genx50 at factormeals.com slash genx50 to get 50% off. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show too. It helps more than you know. 
With more single-parent families and families with both mom and dad working, the time between schools out for kids and works over for parents is usually two or three hours. Some parents don't want or can't afford to put their child in an after-school daycare center. So these latchkey children wait home alone for mom and dad. If you're in this situation, both you and your children will feel more secure by reviewing tips on staying safe. As we prepared to talk about this specific topic and focus a backtrack on it, I, I think it was you, Mo, during yeah. our planning stages who said, didn't we already talk about this on yeah, an episode? I could have swore we something? did. I could have swore we did. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's because we kind of always talk about this. You know, I mm. part of the bedrock of being a Gen Xer, having that childhood in the you know 70s, 80s, early 90s, whenever it was, it, it was based on this kind of sense of independence and autonomy that we were able okay. to have. Oh, hold on. What, hold on. What happened? What do you mean? You've used that word like four times now. What word? Autonomy. <laughs> oh. That is way too highbrow for our podcast. SAT There's word? no way that we should be using a seven syllable <laughs> word like autonomy One, to two, describe three, anything that happened in our childhood. Okay, so what should we just said? Self-reliance? Uh, no, that's still, for our childhood, it's <laughs> like abandonment is the best word we should probably <laughs> use. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about independence and abandonment. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> All right. I can live with that. Yeah. So I, a lot of it kind of hinges around, I think can be spawned out of the concept that because we were what they coined latchkey kids. Yeah. And what that really meant was that because single parent households were on the rise or both parents working were mm -hmm. on the rise. It was not uncommon for us, maybe the first generation ever, to very often come home and nobody else was home. We had a key, yeah. we let ourselves in, and we had to fend for ourselves. I think, too, it depended upon where you lived and what type of community. So you guys mm. may have had the latchkey thing where you came home, let yourself in, you were by yourself for a couple hours until your parent or parents came home. I didn't have that. My mm. experience was more as soon as school ended at three o'clock, let's say, and I still okay. had two hours to kill before a parent would pick me up. Mine was more centered around activities that would go on until my parent would pick me up. So maybe a sports practice or going to the local comic book shop with my friends, that kind of a thing. So mm. I didn't have the latchkey part of it. The only thing that kind of came close for me was that, and I'm going to get a lot of ribbing. I can feel it coming already. Uh oh. <laughs> oh well, let's get ready. ready. Let's get ready, John. <laughs> uh -oh, I'm prepared. Yeah, I'm prepared. My okay. school was a little private school. It only had like four classrooms in it. And there was a Jerry's restaurant situated right next to the back part of the playground up on a hill. And okay. my mother would drop me off at the Jerry's restaurant. I got dropped off there so often. I might have mentioned this before that they knew my order before I ever walked in. So as soon as I opened the door, <laughs> the order was placed and it was at my table like within 30 seconds or something like that. So I would stay in the restaurant until it was time to go to school, which was usually an hour after my mother would drop me off. Hmm. Okay. That's as close so, as I got to a latchkey. So you were dropped off at a restaurant before school to have your morning feast. I did. And then, yes, I, I know pork I'm going to hear about it in the emails. I did have pork chops in the lunchbox yeah, yeah. during lunch. Yeah, that's a standard. I was a well-fed child. <laughs> <laughs> but so I, I want to dive into something that you said, though, that I find very interesting. Unlike us and many, many Gen Xers, you didn't go home and spend that time at home by yourself. Mm -mm. You entertained yourself out away from home until your parents got home. Yeah, uh, okay. it was 
I didn't go home until my parents picked me up from whatever location I was at. Mm, okay, gotcha. I did a lot of extracurricular activities. So oftentimes, like I said, it was going to baseball practice or basketball practice or football practice or something along those lines. And on the days when it wasn't that, uh, which was usually New Comic Book Day, <laughs> my friend and I would walk from the little private school about a half a mile to a mile up to a comic book shop that was in the general area. Okay, That's probably the closest latchkey thing that I had had where my mm. parents didn't have any control over what was going on. And oddly enough, they never seemed concerned about it. Like it wasn't like a, you know, carry your pocket knife and your flashlight and don't talk to straight. <laughs> no. I never got any of those talks. It was just Here's like, okay, your bear mace. You'll need this. Yes. <laughs> where are you going to be? We'll pick you up at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Mode? I mean, did you have the key oh, yeah. on a necklace string around oh, your absolutely. neck yeah. or? You better believe it. And you grew up very urban. You were in downtown Manhattan, right? Oh, yeah. And um, now I had three older brothers, so I wasn't home that long. Usually, I was only home for like maybe an hour or so until my brothers got out of school. But mm, yeah, okay. but up until that point, though, like I walked home, I unlocked my door, went in there, make sure doors locked behind me. How old were you? What grade? Uh, third grade. Oh, wow. Was that like eight, nine? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, something thereabouts. And so, yeah, I would just go home and just and have to hang out and, you know, yeah, I was supposed to do my homework, but yeah, that never happened. No. But... <laughs> <laughs> that What's was a the theory. point of being alone if you got to do exactly. homework? That's some bullshit. Yeah, that was a theory. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, then my brothers would come home. But still, though, yeah, but it was pretty often. And I mean, there'd be a few times when they had late things where I'd be home until five, six o'clock by myself. Mm -hmm. It was just normal. We talked on our last backtrack. We were speaking about those 80s detective shows and how, mm -hmm. you know, the TV was a babysitter. And often that's how we would kill time when we got home. I'm curious. I mean, I, I know what I did. And I'll talk about it in a second. What did you do, Mo? Now, George? we know what you did. You were in the comic book mm -hmm. store or the shops or downtown or did sports practice and stuff. When you were home by yourself waiting for other people to get home, like that's where that independence starts to percolate. Oh, sure. You're on your own. Nobody, you're no, answerable to nobody unless you break something they find out later. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. So how did you fill that time when you were first the latchkey kid? Yeah, when I was super young, it was mostly reading mm -hmm. books, comic Nerd. books. Yeah, I was. I was totally a nerd. <laughs> books, yeah. comic books, you know, Not that kind of thing. enough to do your homework though. No, no. <laughs> I, I tried. No, hell no. I tried to watch a little TV, but couldn't watch too much because if the TV was hot when my dad got home, you got in trouble. So because <laughs> you could check the temperature. Oh, yeah. CRT. Detective. It's warm. They're it's nearby. Warm. Somebody was here recently. <laughs> Somebody laid in my bed. <laughs> exactly. But that's mostly. And then as I got older, then I got into like, you know, D&D &D and all the other nerd things. Mm -hmm. um, and that really, I mean, that filled up a lot of time, but it was, a, I never regretted it. I always had fun. It filled it up. Yeah. Yeah. My latchkey experience was, we have like all the spectrum covered, right? So Mo, you were very downtown. You were in the biggest city on the planet. And George, you were in town, but you mm -hmm. weren't, you know, in the woods. I lived in the woods. So, <laughs> and both of my parents worked. I wasn't a child of divorce. Both my parents were still together and were together all the way up until my dad passed away. But they both worked long hours and they worked 30 or 40 minutes from home or further. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, George, you get off at three. I would ride the bus home which was only, you know, about 30 minute drive after you know, school is out. And then I would get dropped off at the end of this long, long gravel road. So I have to walk this entire, <laughs> yeah, I don't, maybe it was a half mile. Felt like forever when you're a kid and you want to get uphill home. Both ways. Off and I want to play. <laughs> uphill Felt like both you were ways. in the movie Stand By Me. You're going to see the dead body. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> but then, yeah, I had a key. I think actually the key was left outside. We had under a planter or something. I didn't yeah. carry it with me because I would lose it. But I love that period of time. In fact, I hated when usually my mom got home first. My dad worked longer hours. 
But I mean, I loved my mom and to see her, but I hated the end of that independent time because during mm. that time I was running around the house and looking in places that I shouldn't be looking. It was a great time <laughs> to look for Christmas presents. If it's the holiday time, you know, it's, but you have the run of the house. If I want to watch the TV, nobody checked the temperature of my TV. It was okay. <laughs> but if I wanted to watch TV too loud, if I wanted to, you know, all that was fine. Or but when I got Atari later, I could play Atari and nobody was judging, you know, how long I was playing. And I would always start my homework. So then when somebody got home, they would see I was working on it. Well, they didn't know I started it when I first got home and then left it alone for two hours. But, you know, eventually, eventually I got around at the homework, but not during my independent time. So. Well, that's what I think is pretty cool about the independent time, though, is like mm. I had to figure out what, how to fill it. You know, there mm-hmm. wasn't anybody telling me like, you know, I didn't have like a list of things I was supposed to do when I got home or something like that. You know, I was home and, you know, maybe my mom would say straighten up your room or something like that. You know, I got home. Mm-hmm. But yeah, before I get home, have this done. Yeah. I would have a chore, maybe. Yeah, exactly. That but other than mm-hmm. that, though, it was I had to figure it out. You know, I had to figure out how to occupy myself, which is something that I think is tougher for kids these days. I don't think they have that opportunity. There's so many organized play dates and structured time <laughs> and, and what you're going to do. And I, we'll get into more of that a little bit later in the show. But one of the biggest and maybe most impactful is how communication has changed between when we were growing up and now. And we're going to jump into that right after this break. Stick around. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. Who put the filling in the bundt cake? Who put the swirl in the streusel swirl? Who put the Macaroon. Who put the yum in the cinnamon? Only Pillsbury has Bunt brand and streusel swirl cake mixes with luscious fillings that bake right in. Who takes the cake for fillings that taste great? The freshest ideas of baking, baking at Pillsbury. <laughs> How many of you guys had to carry change in their pockets to make phone calls? <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. You know, I always had to have, well, when I was really young, it was a dime, then a little bit later it became a quarter, but I always had yeah. to have that because I never knew if I had to call home for some reason. For an emergency. And for an emergency. Yeah, I mean, I never used it. I probably still have that same quarter from back then. <laughs> yep. <laughs> There's no printing on it anymore. It's rubbed completely smooth. Yeah. Like yeah. A slug. Exactly. I was I was never going to call them. Mm-hmm. But th- that was the thing, though, is like we had to, I mean, it wasn't the instantaneous guaranteed communication that we have today with, our, yeah. with everybody yeah, right. pretty much. Something for me was if I wanted to do something after school that was out of normal, which normal for me was go straight home. <laughs> so mm-hmm. anything that was not go straight home, I had these series of numbers I had to call. I had to call my mom's job. I had to call my dad's job. And then I, and if I couldn't get in touch with anybody, I went home. Wow. You couldn't do it. I oh, couldn't okay. do it. Yeah. Because nobody would know that you're- Nobody would know where I was. Off man, Right. Got it. But these days, that, that just doesn't happen. It's kind of weird. I mean, I don't know. How about you, George? What did you have? Yeah, for me, I didn't have to stay in contact with them at all. Um, because I was a part of expected activities that were more than just Mm. myself. Like I said, you know, I was going to a sports practice or a game, or I was going with my friend to the comic book shop and that had all been vetted and approved ahead of time. I didn't have to start worried really about communications until 
until I turned 15 and 16 and got a car. Really? Then one accident later, oh. now I got to find a goddamn payphone all the time. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I had a really bad accident my end of my junior year in high school, ripped a car in half, broke my neck, all this kind of crazy. Okay. What? Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, what? it was horrible. <laughs> like, John, you had that Pontiac Firebird, right? Mine was mm-hmm. a Camaro, right? The Camaro right. Z28. Yeah. Uh, yep. Berlin 80 coupe, one of the, you know, ones that they didn't make a lot of models. Oh, the Camaro Berlinetta. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, so I, we had it as a lease too. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> they, your parents, they, did they, you get pork chops after that? Well, yeah. So it turned out it wasn't, <laughs> it was a manufacturer's defect that caused the accident. It wasn't my fault. There was no other cars involved. Thank uh, God. Uh, okay. But that raised their alarms. Now they're very worried about alarms, you. So you, from then on, it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, when you break your neck and whatnot. Yeah, you, I would yeah, think. Parents start to get a little. Put the fear of God into parents. They're like, oh, anything. Yeah. I hadn't thought about these terrible things that could happen, right? That, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Why do you think it is? I mean, obviously, communication is so much easier these days. Like, I remember Mm -hmm. I was excited to get my daughter when she was very young a cell phone. Well, she was tickled to death to have a cell phone because (laughs) I can play games and goof off. I was excited to know that, well, now I know where she is because I know she's not going to let go of that cell phone and she's going to hold on to it for dear life. So wherever she is, I could track her and know where she is. (laughs) But do you think it's because it's possible now that... Parents are thing. so aggressive well, about micromanaging where you are. What is it that makes communication so much more important to modern parents? I, for me, there's a segment that we're going to do in a little while that mm-hmm. I think applies to why I think the devices make the how a lot easier. Certainly. Yeah. I think there's a different reason for why versus okay. how. It's not just that it's available. No. Exactly. Okay, like, yeah. I mean, we've had different forms of communication available to us. Like we talked about the quarter in the pocket with the payphone. There were billions of payphones everywhere. Yeah, so it wasn't like they were hard yeah. to find. That's okay. That's a fair point. Yeah. Yes, yeah, true. Yeah. Or, or use a friend's phone or something mm-hmm. like that. Well, I remember, so twofold for me, and it kind of straddles the two worlds that George, uh, you and Mo mentioned, is I also wasn't required to stay in constant contact necessarily, mm-hmm. uh, unless I was deviating from the plan, right? right. I'm supposed to be in this place. <laughs> if I'm going to be somewhere else, you better let somebody know. Right. Because as soon as you're not where you're supposed to be, that's when people yeah. start panicking, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. But then, you know, as I got a little older, as you said, you know, now I didn't wreck my Berlinetta, but I certainly <laughs> had my my share of vehicle problems. It was mostly because I drove piece of crap vehicles, which was just because we didn't have a lot of money. We had piece of crap vehicles. I'd break down. But the policy was once I started driving, even then, now I have a car, right? I have a, a, an eight ton rocket that I can take anywhere on, <laughs> on the planet. All I had to do was either be home by 10 or the phone needs to ring before the strike at 10 to let me know why you're not home. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. That that's was fair. the deal. That's cool. And again, I think that's just, you're expected to be home by this time. If you're not, it wasn't like, where the hell are you? As right. long as I said, hey, we're going to see a movie. It's not going to get out till 1030. Just so you know, they'd be like, cool. Now we know. But otherwise, I should be in the door when the clock strikes 10 or my dad's going to get his boot off and start swinging. <laughs> well, I think right. there was a little bit of fear involved in that rule as well, right? Because you had a car, like you said, you could drive it anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. There's, yep. There was an extra layer of fear that would kick in for parents then that the child isn't just going to be around the neighborhood or their friend's house or anything where that's very familiar. They could literally be in another state and mm-hmm. the parent would know it if they didn't get the communication. Yeah. So yeah. How, how many times yeah. you guys heard this line from your parents? Call me when you get there. I use that myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the thing too. It's like, you know, oh, I'm going to a friend's house. Okay, well, call me when you get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I call, I'm here. 
that was like the entire conversation. And that was it. Yeah, that was I'm right. Here, click. You could <laughs> have been anywhere. It's yeah, just exactly. I called and said I'm somewhere. <laughs> that was the times when you would get creative with the collect calls too, if you had to use those. Oh, right. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Yep. <laughs> Who's making this yep. call? Mr. I'm already home or whatever. <laughs> yeah, this is a collect call from Joe. I'm at Bill's house. Right. <laughs> I decline. Okay. We're all good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Wait, no, we've been talking about how we can stay in touch with one another, but there's another key element of communication that I think really has shifted a lot. And it's how media proliferates. You know, everything that's bad news is out there. The stranger danger really started percolating at the tail end of of our childhood. Thanks, Ted Turner. Yeah, Yeah, the 24-hour news cycle. Thanks, Ted. Yeah, yeah, kidding. 24-hour news cycle. Ruined our childhood. I've seen studies before, and I I think I believe this is true, that the same bad things happened when we were kids as are happening now. It's just that now every single Mm -hmm. one of them has a place to be reported, and Mm -hmm. there's going to be a documentary about it, and we're going to dig deep on this guy, this one pervert who did something odd. Right. That puts such a throttle on childhoods after ours because I think, yes, our parents cared about us, but they weren't paranoid about us. Yeah. They're like, look, I raised a little microhuman. He kind of has some good judgment and he came home alive yesterday. I expect he will again tomorrow <laughs> and nothing's really changed. We live in the same place, all that kind of thing. What do you think about how, how that has impacted, how different it would have been for us? Uh, for me, again, it's going to be in that final segment later a on. A bit later, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I think um, what you're talking about there too is how things have changed as well. There's an element to that question. Certainly. And I think for us as Gen Xers, that change happened during our childhood years. I think a lot of Mm. the the media that you're talking about really became widespread and more prolific as we grew older. Now, I'm the younger of the three of us. So, you know, I hit my 18 years at 89. Mm-hmm. So you probably saw more of that. The internet yeah. thing wasn't really quite there yet, you know, popular mm-hmm. wise, but certainly cable was there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah. And you br- good point you do bring up, John, is like when I used to teach karate, we started teaching it the whole stranger danger thing. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing some research on it. And I was like, wait a minute. Do you know how many kids actually get abducted by strangers in the United States? Yeah, right. You know, yeah. it's, it's really low number. It's like there was like last year, there was like 150 total in the United States. Really? Yeah. Like I'm talking total. Like, like I think I'm pretty savvy about this kind of stuff. And that's a shockingly low number to me. Yeah. Everyone thinks it's like millions. My, my general feeling is that must be thousands and thousands. But well, really, it depends no. on what you classify as a stranger, right? That's how they can build that statistic. So a stranger is somebody that you've Not never family. met before and at totally all. Totally unknown, right? Totally right. unknown. But right. is that really what somebody would consider a stranger? Like, okay, I know Mr. Whipple down the store. He's not a stranger, but if he abducts me, you know, he's not really a family counts, member, right. but we kind of know him. Right. Hmm. Looking at that, I mean, you look at things like how many, now if you look at how many kids get abducted by family, by other friends of family, but then the number's yeah. much higher. Sure. Right. I mean, even, this, I mean, it's a horrible statistic, but they had like 1,700 kids died last Last year from their parents. You know, this wasn't supposed to be a depressing <laughs> podcast. Okay, so we're, now no, the point is, we're going down morbid statistics for yeah, down so, a rabbit hole. Right. <laughs> My point is that yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that what it comes down to is that I think our parents at the time was probably more focused on the right things to keep us safe. Like my parents, mm-hmm. my dad, he taught me early. Trust your instincts. If something doesn't feel right, 
get out of there. We're treading into territory of that last segment again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, all right. Well, it's, it's, it's for all part about of the segment. same discussion, so it's yeah. hard to yeah. keep them separate. It, it, yeah, it keep is. Them it is. Yeah, compartmentalized. Well, so to turn this thing up on an upbeat after the, kind of the depressing yeah. statistics, when we get back from the break, all of this has kind of culminated in how that independence autonomy, sorry, George, how that independence <laughs> manifested itself. Yep. And it's going it, to, we're talking about how we enjoy playing outside all on our own. And we're going to talk about that when we get right back. I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. Good night, girl. Look at my heartthrob box. Got a heartthrob book and a picture frame. You got his picture. You're so lucky. It wasn't luck. It was poochie. Now I need a lock of his hair. How will you get that? Yeah, how will you get that? Lights out, girls. Doesn't you know his barber? My heartthrob box comes with everything you see here. Poochie, new by Mattel. I think I've already alluded to it enough. My favorite thing to do with my childhood was playing. I oh, love yeah. playing sports. I love playing with my friends. And the majority of my play took place outside of the home. Later on, we got the Atari 2600. And so mm-hmm. some of that shifted inside, but we still mm-hmm. played outside almost all the time, whether it was a school week or a summertime, winter break, didn't matter. We were playing outside either by ourselves or with our friends. You know, it just depends depended on who was available, what was going on, what the plans were. And I think that most Gen Xers probably grew up with some of the same playing outside rules. For us, one of the ones that most of the kids in my neighborhood had was you needed to stay on your street. We had like Mm. this little Mm -hmm. subdivision kind of a thing that wasn't really a subdivision, but kind of was the beginnings of what should have been a subdivision. And there were four roads off of the main road that all dead ended off of the main road. And each road Mm. had its own set of duplexes. So for us, because most of the kids happened to live on the same road that I did, the rule was for all our parents, you guys can go outside and do whatever you want. You have to stay on our street. Mm. I think that was because it was easy visually to see us. Because the street was only a few hundred yards long and it was easy verbally for them to holler at George screaming distance. That's right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that was something that was probably common for you too as well, wasn't it? Yeah, for, for me, it absolutely was because, you know, I lived on, you know, I grew up in New York and the street I lived on, I mean, you know how a standard New York City block, right? But the mm-hmm. one I lived on oh, because yeah. of the way yeah. our apartment complex long was, and narrow. And, yeah. yeah. But the way our apartment complex was laid out, we actually crossed two streets, like two streets were actually closed off because of our- Got complex. it. Right. So mm-hmm. our ah. street, so our thing is like a one by three block block. <laughs> okay. And that was mm-hmm. a rule. I can't cross the street. That was like the rule. Mm-hmm. Had to stay on your block. Got to stay on the block. Yep. And as long as I did that, we were fine. <laughs> people in your concepts of subdivisions and blocks. <laughs> so I grew, I grew up in the woods. Mr. Hick over here. <laughs> you have to stay within the tree line. <laughs> okay. You're, don't la- 
laugh. Well, it's not almost like that. <laughs> First, I'll say this is probably my favorite topic of this podcast to talk about, because while I grew up to be a digital sedentary electronic inside the house nerd, even though I didn't do organized sports, playing outside was the thing to do. Probably up until a little post Atari. Atari was like the thing when you got tired, you would go home. Even then, outside play with my couple of friends in my rural area, loved it. Now, as I said, we didn't have a block to stay within. So we really didn't have any hard and fast rules because I, I think probably parents out where I lived in a very rural area, again, the paved road was a half a mile from my house, right? So it was gravel. Mm-hmm. I think they figured, just let him go. He's going to get tired <laughs> well before he gets anywhere that's <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> He's going to get sick of that and want to come back for a snack, right? And they're, they're not too wrong, but because of that, I was able to, I don't even say game the system. There was no system, right? right. It was go outside, you know, make sure you're back by X or whatever, if that even was said. Right. But I would go out with, I had one friend who lived right across the street from me. So we both lived this very rural thing. We're the exact same age and we would just wander Heaven knows where, you know, climbing between barbed wire fences. Never been out this field. Let's see what's out here. Right. Oh, there's some cows. Oh, look, there's an old abandoned house. Let's go in and break a window or something. Oh, my God, we're deviants. That was the worst <laughs> kind of thing we would do. Even with no structured rules about don't do this, be here, don't be there. Coming out of that origin of, you know, we're kind of a little on our own. We're not being micromanaged. We're not required to absolutely, you know, be tethered to you know, your, your, your mom's apron string all day long meant that we had, like you said, Mo, if something feels weird, get out of there, right? Mm -hmm. We had that Gen X kids had that kind of innate sense of like, kind of feels like I've been out a long time. Maybe I ought to get home. You have that spidey sense (laughs) of like, oh, wow, it's it's a little later than usual. I bet dad's getting upset. Maybe I should Mm -hmm. be making my way back. So we had a wide open kind of thing. And, you know, and one of the things that I know a lot of people talk about is beyond be home before the streetlights are on. We didn't have streetlights out where I was. (laughs) So I was going to bring Bring that topic up, it, okay. you know, for us, and I'm sure Mo had something similar living in the city. Streetlights come on, your butt better be in the door or at least in the yard mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that you could, you know, be seen and be called to dinner because that was going right. to happen around that same time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't for my parents, it wasn't so much that, oh, we don't want him out at night because scary things happen at night. For my parents, it was this was a timing mechanism to keep the structure of the day intact. Mm-hmm. So, street lights coming on meant it was time to have dinner, which meant right after that was time to take a shower, which meant right after that was doing your homework, which meant right after that was going to bed. <laughs> right. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> the routine, right? Yeah. A routine. You knew your structure. started yeah. with those street lights, which were the first indicator. Yeah. Hmm. Just, we had a similar thing growing up. It was the same street lights when they came on, although we had to be in front of our building if the street lights came on. Mm-hmm. So we were like immediately mm-hmm. available. So similar to your yard. The one thing you mentioned, John, was just like, when you had like a, a friend that you hung out with, you went and mm-hmm. did, I keep thinking back to that thing uh remember the movie stand by me oh, of yeah. course this, this is the second reference to stand by me in the same <laughs> show <laughs> well, where the kids are walking down the tracks and stuff yeah i remember that because i had the same group of friends I, in my neighborhood you're with them especially in the summer hours every single mm-hmm. day mm-hmm. Yep. you eventually kind of run out of stuff to do sometimes yeah i mean you created but you know what i mean like you've done this again done this again so you wind up talking about just the weirdest stuff <laughs> you just have these bizarre conversations I think, yeah as you got a little older like the kids in that movie did right yeah like, like who's who could make Mickey Mouse beats, you know, blah, 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 or whatever. You know, I mean, we just had like these weird, just we thought deep conversations, but it was also because, again, you, you kind of we did everything like, oh, you want to do this? Eh, I don't feel like doing that today. See, yeah, that is exactly what unstructured time did for us. 
us. Mm -hmm. You know, we mm -hmm. were forced to entertain ourselves. We weren't, again, tethered to our parents or had to report to them constantly. When you ran out of the crazy things that they didn't want you to do in the first place, you actually got tired, sat down, and you <laughs> talked with each other. You communicated. Right. You Whether it's crazy stuff, like you said, who would win Mickey Mouse versus the Hulk or whatever, or whether it's like, <laughs> man, so, you know, how do you feel about what's going on in school in this weird situation? You actually talk to people. And that's another skill we developed because of that wonderful, unstructured time. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that we're that we're kind of omitting here. So we haven't really talked about the type of play, which we don't necessarily need to do because I think it's pretty self-apparent. You know, you'd play when you were a little kid, you play cowboys and Indians or cops and robbers or something mm -hmm. along those lines, maybe army where you throw rocks at each other that were hand grenades and you try to <laughs> smack the kid in the face with it. You need a stick just the right shape to look like a gun. And that's a gun. Exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, you would get your Fisher price or Tonka toy figures and you would dig trenches in your yard oh, yeah. and pour the water hose in there to make mm -hmm. rivers and scenes and reenact things that you might have seen in in a TV show or a movie or something. Yep. But there was one thing, I don't know, Mo may not have gotten to experience this, but I'm going to bet that John might have. I know I definitely did. Mm. There's something that sparked my memory when you talked about those conversations that you would have, right? Yeah. Mighty Mouse mm -hmm. beat, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, blah, Never, blah, blah. Yeah is where you had those conversations. For us, we built our own forts. Sometimes they were in the woods. Sometimes it was in a side yard nailed to a tree with whatever <laughs> driftwood or plywood we could find somewhere. And building those forts, while we were outside of our house, those became our sanctuaries, our safe zones for me and my three or four friends. Mm. And that's where we would have those kind of deep, what we thought were deep, intimate conversations. J John, Mo, did either of you guys do that kind of, you know, have that special place? Yeah. Well, let's start with Mo, because did you even have a place to have a fort? Where were you really? No, that's not right. yeah. fort thing, but let's yeah. go to John. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I ever actually built a, a, an official fort, but certainly we had little cubbyhole places, like a place in the woods where mm -hmm. a bunch of trees had fallen and were like, this is a great natural place. And because right. you're out there, again, unstructured, you're like, well, let's pretend mm -hmm. it's post-apocalyptic, right? Because we all had a fear <laughs> of, of a nuclear winter, right? It's post-apocalyptic. And these trees were knocked down by the apocalypse and we're the last two people, you know, in this area and we're trying to set up camp and, oh, we're going to have to find a bunch of pine cones. because we'll And so we would turn into play. And then once again, you got tired of that. Mm -hmm. Now you're sitting around goofing off, you know, drinking your Capri Sun at that point, you're like, <laughs> yeah, so I've been meaning to ask you, what do you think about, Bob? right? And then you get into those mm -hmm. kind of philosophical things. Did your parents actually literally throw you out of the house in the summer? Mine did. I don't know if you guys did, but my dad, because I have three older brothers, so he'd be like, all right, guys, out of the house. Before George answers, I'm going to predict that George's parents were always throwing him out of the house well after he was <laughs> an adult. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's just a theory. You can correct me. Am I it's wrong? It's a cruel theory. Damn. <laughs> but am I wrong? Uh, yeah, kind of, okay. but not right. because of the reasons why you think. <laughs> All right. <laughs> My father never threw me out of the house because frankly, he was just always away from the house. Mm. So he was okay. running that grocery store or, you know, not to disparage his memory, getting drunk at a bar somewhere. <laughs> um <laughs> But my mother, she definitely didn't throw me out of the house, but she mm -hmm. was okay with me leaving. My mother was, you know, she was much more possessive of me and wanted to make sure I had what I needed to take care mm -hmm. of me. You know, all the old jokes that we've made time and time again in these podcasts, John, was even there one night when we had the whole Star Trek club over at my house. <laughs> And my mother made tacos for everybody. Made tacos. And, <laughs> just all of a sudden. Just and, here they appear. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. 
next thing you know, I'm sitting in the chair lit because I'm like, I'm going to be a good host. Let everybody go get their tacos. Here comes my mother in the living room had already made my tacos and made me. his tacos. Here, George, I have yours just the way you like them. And I kissed each one twice. Right? Yep. <laughs> so neither oh. of my parents threw me out of the house, but I was certainly allowed to go outside. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't oh, even sure. know that I can say I was encouraged to leave the house. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, my dad was like, so it was like a Saturday and it was a nice day outside. After breakfast, he'd be like, all right, bye. Like, get the hell out. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see, he says, I don't expect to see you until dinner. You know? Yeah, I've certainly heard that as kind of a stereotype that apparently is not just a stereotype. It's a thing that a lot of parents said, okay, I don't want to see you back in the house until X, right? You right. should be out playing. Right. Uh, and Which again, I think George is going to play into a discussion you have <laughs> in the next segment of the show. Yep. Uh, I also, I was not forced or even encouraged to go out, but I think it was expected. Like there's only so mm. much you can do in the house because I was an only child. I didn't have mm. any siblings at all. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I can, what board game? to play by myself or whatever everything there is to do isn't in my house that isn't a video game that came along later really yeah. right if i want to do something interactive or the things that really stimulated my mind or find somebody and we probably you talk about a group of friends we probably all had that two or even one like super tight friend like sure. no matter what it wasn't hey i wonder if he can come out and play i'm like <laughs> i know he's waiting for me to come out and play because right. i'm waiting on him to come out and play and we we're always you know you go and knock on the door and it's not like do you want to come out like he's shutting the door behind him yeah where are we going it wasn't even do you want to go <laughs> that might be no. a good way to end this segment to get it ready for the next one is okay can you remember the name of that friend i'm not mm-hmm. talking about high school buddy i'm talking about the one that you that was that buddy that you went outside with in elementary and maybe up to middle school that You're was your neighborhood friend? guy yep. that you hung mm-hmm. out yeah. with the most okay so I, I remember mine mo think about it george mm-hmm. fourth listener during this break, you think about who was your number one Gen X hangout buddy. We're going to remember ours when we get right back. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag. But let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. On the next After School Special... Is something wrong? Ryan can't read or write. What are the words... I mean, what do you see? You know, I can't even tell time. And nobody understands his problem. You read that sign. Why? For Brian, everything's backwards. The riddle of dyslexia. All 
right. You've had a few minutes to think about it. Uh, we were talking about who was that number one or one or two great hangout buddies. That best friend. Mo, do you remember? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Who was it? it was, that was actually pretty easy. It was Ronnie Rojas. Ronnie Rojas. Yep. Yeah. He lived on the same block, I guess, because you can't cross the street, right? Well, he lived actually, a, I had to cross the street to get to his house, but Ooh, oh, that was time. the exception. He was the exception. If I was going to Ronnie's house, okay. I was okay. But yeah, we went to the same school. We were through probably second grade, third grade from like wow. before school. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. That was my main hangout guy, probably. What about you, George? Yeah. I mean, I can't remember his last name. I've got okay. a couple that are floating in my head, but I don't think either one of them are right. But his uh, first his name was Gene, and he lived almost directly across the street, just one house to the left of my house as I exited the front door. Mm. We didn't go to the same school together. Um, we didn't even do the same activities. Like I was baseball, football, basketball, and he was, mm-hmm. you know, hunting and fishing. But because we were that close to each other, and like I said, that little street, it was barely wide enough for one car to drive on at a time <laughs> uh-huh. and only a few hundred yeah. yards long. So there wasn't anything to separate us. We were basically the same age. I think maybe I might have been a year older than him. His family was weird, but he was <laughs> awesome. And we had so much fun. John, he was the kid that had all the Star Wars figures on the block. Oh, you mentioned. Yeah, you yep. talked about him. Yeah. And I was the one that had the sports equipment and the Fisher Price stuff. And then I got so the Atari 2600. Yeah. Yep. So it was all that sharing of that stuff. Mm-hmm. That was what I really really remember the most. And I I had other friends on the blocks and they were a couple of kids that lived a street away that were like the outcasts that we ridiculed (laughs) to a degree, but Gene and I, they probably did the same to you guys. They did. Sure. Yeah. Uh, We got a little more devious. We broke out their windows of their house one time, but (laughs) (laughs) the statute of limitations is up. You're okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're fine. It was rough, but we, um, I did really appreciate that friendship. John, who was your best friend? I I don't even have to think twice about it. DJ Ward lived across the street from me. Now across the street from me again, was across the gravel road down a long driveway, (laughs) a mile and a half away. <laughs> he lived in an underground house. What? Wow. A bunker? That's a whole story I won't get into. It was really revolutionary and experimental, but he lived in an underground house. That's worth best friend status alone. That's, Just it was that. pretty cool. That's, yeah. That's different. He was also the friend who owned Dark Tower. Mm. He was the friend who had a big track, and he was a guy who also had an Atari 2600. Later, he got an Atari computer. We had a parallel childhoods. We had a lot of the same things, and it was because of our proximity, because we'd go out, we'd play together, we were at school together. We were the same guy. So, yeah. So between Gene and Ronnie and DJ, if any of you guys are listening, write in and let us know you found the show. (laughs) So in this segment, now that we've remembered our playing buddies, we want to talk about the things we were building up to. And you've referenced it many times, George, Mm -hmm. how parenting today has changed that sense of independence that we got as kids. Yeah, I think it's a completely different environment. And we often, when mm-hmm. we do these backtracks, we kind of try and set them up like, all right, here's the history of the thing. Here's some mm-hmm. stuff that happened about the thing. Here's some influential people of the thing. And here's mm-hmm. how it's different today. And that's usually yep. where we like to go. In this case, it has a huge impact on our lives, how things are different parenting wise today compared to when we were growing up. Here's what I remember. Okay. My parents had their own lives. My father had his grocery store and his buddies at the bar and his pool hall stuff. And my mother had her work and taking care of the house and Mm. her work friends and stuff like that. But as I grew up, as society norms changed, as news media got out there and proliferated all this fear mongering stuff that happened, because as we said, statistically, we think 
that probably the bad things that were happening as we grew older were happening when we were kids. We just didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was told by society that my kids needed to be my life instead of having my own life as an adult. I was told Mm. your kids are number one. They're the thing you have to focus on. You have to sacrifice everything for your kids, give up everything. I'm older now and all my kids have moved out of the house and I'm going to call bullshit on that fucking theory (laughs) because What I have seen with my children, with this constant making them the focus of everything while they were growing up, Mm -hmm. is the spoilage that has happened in that generation compared to ours (laughs) and the ones before us is Hmm. vast. It's huge. These children, while brilliant and intelligent and socially aware, have a really difficult time operating independently at the ages when they're supposed to be moving out of the damn house. And I think it's our fault. Well, yeah. It's definitely our fault. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you you talk, George, about that experience that your parents had their own lives, and Mm -hmm. I'd really never thought about it in that way, but Mm -hmm. it's true of my parents as well, and you can ring in how you felt, Mo. What made me think, immediately wanted to ask you this, George, was as a kid in Mm -hmm. that environment, did you feel neglected? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not even one little bit. I didn't either. No, I mean, I knew where my parents were, because I knew who they were as people. So I knew my father was at the grocery store, at the pool hall, or at the bar. Mm -hmm. I knew that's where he was. Maybe at home once in a while. (laughs) Maybe at home once in a while. When he got tired. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I knew my mother was dropping me off for school at work, picking me up after my activities, and then at home. I knew where everything was, and so I didn't have any fear about it not supporting me because it always had, just not in the way that society told me I needed to support my children after I became a parent. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that we should not love our children. Of course, of course we not. should. No, 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 But I think we are doing a huge disservice to their independence by constantly coddling them and taking away their ability to thrive and learn in that independence. When the truth Mm -hmm. of the matter is, while yes, there's new technology and kids are getting smarter, younger, and they have cars and cell phones and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. and much different ages than we might Mm -hmm. have had, they're not developing as adults nearly as fast as we were. And I I don't know if that's a bad thing, but it feels like a bad thing. I think it is. Getting ready for this show, I was doing a little research and stuff, and I found this whole thing where like some parents who are doing just what you said, like giving kids some freedom. Mm-hmm. We're actually getting like chastised or looked down by other parents. Like they had, I saw, I found a case where a parent had a 10 year old and a six year old and he let them, the 10 year old walk them back home by themselves from the park. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very far. Mm-hmm. Child services got called. Because right. like, a parent, somebody saw two well, I kids hope they hung up on the street. Him. Jeez. I mean, no, went to the house, actually, apparently. Oh. Because parents saw these two kids walking on the street unsupervised. And I'm like, shit, I was yeah. unsupervised most of the time. And I see where you're going with that, George, because it does, like, my parents, both my parents had their own lives. Mm-hmm. But I never doubted that they loved me. No. I, I no. never had a, there was never a doubt in my mind. And I also had never had a doubt that I was important to them. But yeah. they had their own thing, you know, and they had yep. things that I wasn't, you know, like my dad's like, oh, it's really none of your business. That's my life. You know, I mean, <laughs> none and, of your business. Yeah. Right? There's nothing wrong with hearing that. Okay. Yeah. Now I know some things aren't my business. Yeah, because you're a child. No. And I think that was, I feel like I work, came out better for that experience, actually. You know, my wife used to be a big fan of Dr. Phil and periodically I'd walk through the living room when she was watching. And I remember there was a whole episode about this mother in Manhattan who let her daughter at six, seven years old ride the subway by herself. Yeah. And that was the topic of a show. Yeah. <laughs> 
in in 2010 or something right yeah so now i never had a subway i didn't grow up in manhattan but can you imagine like can you believe someone let little john run out in the woods find (laughs) sticks that fell over stay all day out with no supervision that was just normal and i i remember seeing that show thinking i mean it's manhattan but it's not that big of a deal it's not like constantly dangerous it's just use your brain yeah and her point was i'm actually teaching her independence now so she's not so reliant on me yeah i think for me too there's another part of the point that I was making. The child gets coddled too much and therefore doesn't develop independent thought, problem solving, the confidence they need to go out into the world to stake their own claim. But there's Mm -hmm. another thing that's happened to our generation that we let society do to us. I haven't had a life for 20 or 30 goddamn years at this point. It's been their life and I've been servicing their life. So while I've had some fun things to do here and there, you know, I we did this YouTube and podcast and stuff that wasn't until much later in their lives when they were more independent from the time that the youngest one was born until the time that he moved out that 18 mm-hmm. years or so. I didn't get to really plan just stuff for me, me and my wife, even we talk about it all the time. We went on no vacations that were just the two of us. No, every yeah. vacation you had to take those children with you because society told you, you did. They expected it. You had already kept them tied to your apron strings. As you talked about earlier, John, mm-hmm. you yep. didn't have a choice. We just went on our 21st wedding anniversary trip this past weekend. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what my child said when I got back? Y'all went to Orlando without me? Hell yeah, I went to Orlando without you, you little bastard. I've been covering your ass for 20 years. Get away from me. Yeah, you're welcome to go by yourself. Damn right. That's right. You you have a car that I gave you, the gas that I bought. Get the car and go to Orlando. Aren't we stopping you? And as soon as I told him, you go to Orlando anytime you want. You know what he said? I, I, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. That's my fault. We have That's nobody to blame fault. but ourselves. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. yeah. You know, we always make fun of and I don't know, poke fun at, talk about, criticize, you know, oh, helicopter parenting is the worst thing ever. Honestly, we were the helicopter parents. Mm-hmm. We yeah. were the ones that raised Gen Z, Gen Millennials or whatever they are, whatever you call them, <laughs> uh, based on our ages, right? But why was that? I don't know for sure. Was that a rebound? Did, did enough parents believe that, oh, we were too neglectful and we should have done more? Or I think it's whatever it was, it's an overreaction. It was entirely Ted Turner's fault. Fuck that guy. (laughs) I mean, maybe our parents were a little too laissez-faire and didn't pay enough attention. I don't think that was the case for me, but I could see where some parents, you know, kids might have thought that coming out of there. But we went way too far the other way and Mm -hmm. just smothered them. And it's created a generation of people that don't know how to take themselves to Orlando, right? Or or buy a house or start a bank account or anything without saying, mom, dad, how do I do X? And it's it's our fault. It's unfortunate. Well, it's also, I think technology does play a little bit into that because we really didn't have a way of being in constant, easy communication. Yeah, we had pay phones and stuff, but look at today where like you know i heard stories of like you know someone's daughter would go to a store to pick out clothes and she had to call her mom and show her right. pictures of it which you couldn't do that what size am i <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> god all the damn time with that thing what size shoes do i wear well, yeah. you, they're your feet put something on if it falls off it's too big if you can't if it hurts, breathe it's, it's too, too small tight. figure it out 
Jesus. <laughs> and so if my parents had that access, I, maybe it would have went down a similar road. Maybe. I don't know. Because again, the fact that we're parents and we care about our children and we have a way of knowing where they are all the time and mm-hmm. being in communication yeah, with it, them. It's hard to not take advantage of that. Exactly. Right? It's, it's I tough. think we got sold a bill of goods by an overreacting society to tell us that our parents didn't do a good job. And so we needed to do better. And that's yeah. where your Dr. Phil TV shows and all of that kind of stuff comes into play. The fact of the matter is a large population survived their Gen X childhood. <laughs> so I don't think our parents did that horrible yeah. of a damn job raising mm. us. With all yeah. our limbs. And the ones who did <laughs> and died, uh, that's natural selection. Fuck those guys. They don't need to be in the gene pool. Oh, Ouch. Oh, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> well, luckily, none of those kids who died are listening right now, so you won't exactly. get emails. That's true. This is true. That's <laughs> Cruel. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get letters on that one. The views and opinions <laughs> expressed on the podcast are necessarily those. Before we get out of this, what has been fascinating discussion of you know kind of our Gen X childhood, focusing specifically on how it was different. I think we can all agree that the way we were raised and the environment we were. I mean, our parents and we were a factor of the environment and the time we grew up in. It couldn't have happened any other time. It's changed so much now. But looking back on what I would argue was a great time to be a kid. What is your most memorable (laughs) childhood memory of having that great independence? Is there a specific kind of story or an incident or a thing you were able to do? Uh, And I don't mind. I'll get it started. I usually throw to somebody else and so I can think, but I have one. I can start right now. Okay. And it's very clear for me in my memory. I had a casual friend that was just uh, the son of one of my, my mom's work friends that we saw occasionally. And he lived in town and we lived out in the woods, right? And that was a distance of about six miles. And he would come to my house and play and somebody would drive me to their house and play. But once they were at my house and we were like, we want to go out and ride bikes and it was time to go home. And we said, wait, 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 we have a proposition. What if you just go home? And when we're done playing, we will ride our bikes all the way back in town, that six miles, and then he'll be home and my mom will pick me up later. And they said, okay. (laughs) And that trip, it wasn't hugely memorable. It was largely boring. I mean, riding your bike six miles took an hour or two. I forget how long it took, how long it was. I hurt myself. I have a scar on the back of my heel (laughs) where my, one of those like huffy bike pedals that hold on to your tooth pedals. Yeah. It spun around. It caught me in the back, like the Achilles tendon in the back of my ankle. (laughs) When I got there, my my entire sock was pink. I'm like, why is so I wore one pink sock. Oh no, that's blood in my shoe. But I remember I felt like, oh my God, I'm all by myself on a road. And I remember it's County Road 547, right down through the middle of Central Florida. Never forget when I drive that road today, if I'm back home, mm-hmm. I remember that bike ride because they said, yep, you're mature enough to do that on your own. We'll see you on the other side. So, <laughs> awesome. That's George, cool. what about you? You remember? I, well, I mean, I remember a lot of the childhood. Um, most memorable childhood independent moment uh, got me in trouble. So that's good. Okay, that's good. Right. I mean, I'm that sounds it. like a Let's good go. story. Let's yeah. go. Right. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk about the one where we broke out the ratty kid neighbor house thing. That was a whole different story, and I could. <laughs> go 15 minutes on that but there was a time when we were on a road and i had been given a bow and arrow for some reason i don't know why oh god okay maybe i don't want to hear this This nobody got injured okay okay Okay. all right i'm better now we were shooting the i think we had like three arrows with a bow so you shoot them and you have to go pick them up right (laughs) (laughs) so we were shooting them up and down that length of that 200 or so yard road that I talked about earlier. Okay. And 
as you can imagine, this is a very narrow road that's lined on both sides by duplexes who have driveways <laughs> that reach the road directly, you know, because people mm-hmm. have to back out of their driveway and go on the road and go their way. Well, at one point, we were down at the end of the road. My duplex house was near the front of the road, and I shot an arrow, <laughs> you know, just trying to do one of those, like, Braveheart arrow shots where you shoot it up in the sky and see how far it can go kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Yeah. It hit the back quarter panel of my mother's brand new car. Oh. It didn't stick in it, but it left one of those BB-sized dents. Oh, yeah. Those dings. dings. Right? Yeah. 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 That there's no way to get that out because it's that sharp little ding and everything yep. so what did we do as kids immediately we hid the bow and arrow absolutely <laughs> on the side of the house I what bow and arrow never yeah. seen it what's a bow and arrow <laughs> and went and did some other activity while we're nervously looking back the whole time my mother and father didn't notice it for a week okay. okay then finally one day my mother is getting some groceries out of the trunk of the car and she looks over as she's going toward the house donald that's my father's name donald there's something wrong with my car <laughs> he comes outside you know half groggy from work and everything what what are you look there's a big dent you know in that quarter pin uh-huh. he didn't say a word all he did was just look at me <laughs> he knew it was you automatically he, he said bow and arrow wasn't it oh <laughs> My Son of a- he called it too. Oh. He called it. I got a good little whooping. It was one of the last whoopings I got, but I got a good strong whooping on that one. And the whole time, if you'd have just told us. I'm like, no, no, no. you got the whooping yeah. earlier. That's you know, right. I'd have got the whooping last yeah. week instead. Yeah. <laughs> That's shenanigans on that. That was yeah, not the right. You know, I had a week reprieve. Are you kidding? <laughs> right. <laughs> and more time on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Mo? Do you have one that sticks in your memory? The feeling of independence? Yeah, I was a third grade and um, one of our neighbors, upstairs neighbors, they had a daughter who was older. She was like a teenager and her, she would mm-hmm. walk past, pick me from school. And when I got out and she would walk to the bus stop, take the bus home you know my mom gave her like a few bucks a week to do that gotcha. you know yep. and so i'm sitting there waiting out for in school waiting 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 and everybody's gone and she's not there so i'm like oh crap i'm the only one here oh so i was like i guess i'll go home <laughs> so i walked down i know i walked down to 14 street got on the m14 bus went home my mom, I went to my mom's like, I forget the girl's name, but she says, No, where's so and so? And I was like, I said, I don't know, she didn't show up. She's like, How'd you get home? I was like, I just took the bus. She was like, Oh my God. And she was so proud of me because she said, Right, proud. I'm not using her ever again. Yeah. I can save money. <laughs> right. You she did all proud. the things that the babysitter would have done for you, exactly. but you did it on your own. Yeah. She wasn't terrified or mad at you. She was proud of you. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah she yep. was very proud. She's like, Oh, she's like so proud. And she's like, Yeah, now I don't have to pay the babysitter anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, is, which is probably the part she's like the best. Can you increase my allowance? since you don't yeah, have right, to be right, right. Look at the money I've saved you. <laughs> but it's like one of those moments where I felt like, wow, I felt, you know, I felt I'm kind a, of, I'm proud a of myself. Person. You know, I can like, do things. I, I did an adult own. thing. I, I yep. was able to come home yep. by myself. So I still Something up that. until then you thought the babysitter needed to be there for and right. you were I able to do step it by up myself. It's not possible. Take care of it. Yeah. Yep. They're great. Okay. Guys, what a great time. Just looking back, both just personal memories and then kind of like what was going on in the world and how it impacted our childhood. I wouldn't trade my Gen X childhood for anything. I think it was one of the greatest times to grow up ever. And it's sadly, we didn't know it at the time, but it was the last time anybody would grow up like that. Can't unring that technology bell or that the Ted Turner bell, George. That's not going anywhere. (laughs) 
Oh, so thanks so much for sharing that with me. Before we wrap up this show, though, I want to take a real quick moment to thank a brand new Patreon supporter. Oh. Yeah, Bart A joined us and he rocketed straight up to that $10 level. Wow, thank you. Yeah, another financial commitment who Bart loves what we do. He wants to support it, make sure we keep doing it. And he put his money where his mouth was. Thank you so much, Bart. And to you and everyone who supports us, whether it's on Patreon or over on YouTube, we so, so much appreciate you. And it absolutely keeps gas in the tank and keeps us motivated to do what we do. We will, of course, be back in two weeks with another Backtrack. But next week is the regular edition of our show. Until then, I'm John. George, thank you so much for being here, man. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you. Always fun, man. Fourth listener, it's you we all appreciate most of all, though. And we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Unacceptable for grown-ups. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Fair enough. Yeah, not my best work, but fuck it. Yeah, it works. <laughs> it's the promo. It's a promo. <laughs> I thought I misread what you were doing. I thought I picked up on your what you're putting down. So happy accidents, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Work. It might be a new thing we do. Who knows? Yeah. Right? Hmm. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.